Welcome back to Jamie All Over. We are a day late. I do apologize for that. I just posted about me having a guest cancel last minute yesterday. The plan was to do the interview early in the morning and do a quick turnaround and still put it out for my Tuesday release. But I got a cancellation because this guest was sick, had no voice, needed to reschedule. Stuff like that happens. That's okay. But because I wasn't prepared to do a solo episode, I really didn't have much prepared. And mentally, I was just like, I don't have the capacity to think of a full episode right now. Part of me is like, consistency is so important. If people are expecting an episode on Tuesday, it needs to be put out on Tuesday. But if there's a situation where I know that I could put out a better episode tomorrow, everything will be fine if I wait a day. And who made up this rule that it has to come out the same day every week? This is something I am enforcing on myself or if it's just whatever podcasting standards that we hold ourselves to. But I think what's more important is that we know our limitations and we know when we can give our all and when we can't. And if I'm in a position where I can wait a day to give my all, I would rather do that. I know there's a lot of times, especially if you work for an employer, you have to show up regardless and you have to do your best regardless. But in those situations where you do have the option, I think it's fine to give ourselves permission to wait until we're feeling our best. I'm sharing this to hopefully give anyone else permission to put their mental health first in the situations that they can I wish it could be in every situation that you could put that first. But as mentioned, I know there's some times when you need to just show up for work or there's a deadline and you just really do need to get something done. Or if your kids have something going on and you have to be there, you know, you have to do your best regardless of what's going on in your life. I get that too. But in other situations where nothing is really going to fall apart, if you hold off, then I think you should give yourself permission to hold off. And I know that's counter to a lot of advice out there where people are like, you just have to show up and do your best and you have to do this consistently. And I've heard other podcasters and other YouTubers talk about this in retrospect and be like, I don't know why I thought I needed to put out this content on this day every single week for years, but it's kind of ingrained in content creators that if they don't do that, they're all of a sudden going to lose their audience or no one is going to care anymore. And they put this pressure on themselves. A lot of them have said in interviews, that's what caused their burnout. And then that's when you see YouTubers take a couple months off just to kind of recoup. A lot of them say, I wish I wasn't so hard on myself with like posting schedules. And if I wasn't feeling it one day, I don't know why I pushed myself just to do it out of fear that I was going to lose my audience. But I think when we have the ability to put our mental health first, I think that's what's most important. So I had an interview a couple days ago. Unfortunately, I can't say what it was for yet. But in the interview, I was asked, what do your friends think about you? And what do your haters say about you? I thought, you know, the hater one was an interesting question because being a vegan and an animal rights activist for all of these years, I've developed a thick skin because I know that what I'm fighting for is bigger than me. It's bigger than my ego. It's for a cause that in my mind is for the greater good. I'm fighting for the voiceless. So that's what has given me strength and tough skin in any situation where someone might come at me for my beliefs about that. Funny enough, the interviewer was surprised to hear that I had quite a few men coming at me. And I was like, well, yeah, it just makes sense because the marketing of the meat industry, you know, it's been ingrained in men's minds that 
in order to be masculine, you have to eat a steak. So there's a lot of fragile men out there that think that in order for them to be masculine, they need to be eating a big steak on their plate. So just typically, there are more female vegans than there are men at this point in time. So those who are all into the whole carnivore diet and thinking they need animal protein to gain muscle, which is absolutely not true. Plant protein has been shown to be just as effective. But there's just so many myths that need to be busted because of advertising and marketing from the meat industry, from big agriculture. Not getting into that right now, but my point was men who have this belief that they need to eat animals to be manly and muscular, they'll come at me for my arguments against it. In order for me to answer this question, I was like, well, it's different with men and with women haters. Men To go after women, I've noticed it's typically they'll go after their intelligence or their looks. They think that's the way to knock them down. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ugly. Blah, blah, blah. But with women, I've noticed they'll go after another woman's drive, success, or their want to achieve things. They'll go after their achievements. They'll go after anything that they're trying to excel at in life. I've noticed women want to step on other women's necks more than men do. You don't hear men saying to other men, oh, you're so thirsty for going after this or going after that because they don't think that way. But you will see women saying to other women, she's so thirsty. And that's in an attempt to hold someone back, to make someone feel that they're not important. That's how women go after other women. Oh, you're not important enough. And I think that is internalized misogyny. That is women holding other women back. That is women being jealous of other women who may be doing something that they're not doing or want to do or subconsciously want to be doing. Because when you are truly happy and successful, the last thing you're thinking about is someone else getting something. You're like, good for you. Because you understand there's no scarcity. You understand that just because the woman next to you is getting hers doesn't mean that it's going to take anything away from you. That is a basic foundation of success. And for those who don't understand that, for those who compare and compete and are jealous, they will never truly be at peace with themselves and with their success or with their happiness. I want to pull people up with me. I firmly believe a rising tide lifts all ships. I've said this before. And I just think it's so important for women to understand there are so many amazing women out there who are helping other women and we owe it to each other. And the last thing we should be doing is stepping on someone else's neck, trying to hold them down, trying to make them feel guilty or bad about trying to get something in life or get somewhere in life or get money in life. We need to stop doing that. And there's nothing wrong with being quote unquote thirsty. I think we all should be hungry for something in life and go after something in life. And if there are people around me that want things and I have the ability to help them get there or introduce them to someone that can get there, I will give them all a glass of water rather than say, you're thirsty. I will feed them rather than making them feel bad for being hungry. And I think if there are people out there who have accused others of being thirsty, I think you really have to look within. Ask yourself, why is this triggering me? Why is this person who's doing this triggering me? What is that telling me about myself? What is it that I have not done in life that I want to do and I am taking it out on this other person? What is this bringing up about me that I maybe don't like? And even in the context of not liking another person who you may meet, you really have to say, and I have to do this too, 
what is it about this person that annoys me? And a lot of the times it will be about something that you are not happy about within yourself or something that you used to do and you don't do it anymore and you don't want to be reminded of it anymore. So I posted for questions. Thank you all so much for your help with today's episode. This is just going to be very random and I'm just going to go through these questions and answer some. Leslie24112 says, tell us more about your history. When did you move to LA? Do you miss the East Coast? I really, really miss the East Coast, especially this time of year. I just booked my flight back to New York in May for the live podcast I'm doing at the Vegan Women's Summit. I didn't book a return flight, though, because I don't know how long I want to stay. I miss New York City so much. This is like my favorite time of year is springtime. And I can't wait to just walk around all of the different neighborhoods. There's so much to see. It's just this amazing energy that you don't feel in any other city. I'll probably visit where my grandma used to live on Bank Street down in Greenwich Village. I'll probably visit all my old apartments and neighborhoods. I am going to seek out some vegan pizza. I have yet to have vegan pizza in New York City. Someone was like, oh, when you were listing all the things you miss, like the bagels and the style and the sarcasm and the wit and all these other things that I miss about the city, I didn't list pizza because I have not had vegan pizza yet in New York. I'm hoping it's the best pizza in the world because the regular pizza, in my opinion, is the best in the world. So if anyone has vegan pizza recommendations for New York City, definitely let me know. As far as my history, I moved to California in 2008. And I think I went through this in detail on one of the first episodes ever. I don't know if you want to scroll back that far. But I think it has to do with like becoming an investor in sugar taco. I think that was in the title. So all of the history is there. So I hate to repeat myself for those of you who have been here from the beginning. So I would say just go back to that episode. Jen Lee 98, who sends the best questions, wants to know, have you spoke to Chriselle recently and can you retell that story? So I never told that story on here as far as I know. I think we did one episode on shenanigans with Christine Quinn, which I discussed the story partially. For those of you who don't know, Jen is talking about Chriselle Staus, who you may have seen in Selling Sunset on Netflix. Or if you're a soap opera fan, you may have seen her in All My Children or Days of Our Lives. She and I were best friends when we were living in New York City. We even share a tattoo together. We would go to all of the events together, had so much fun. We were at every club Every night of the week in New York City, like that was my party day heyday. (laughs) And it was really fun. I don't ever wish to go back to that point in my life. I've so outgrown it. But I think, you know, we all go through those days and those were mine. And it was amazing. Like we really did everything that there was to do in New York City. And, you know, when I first met her, she was so down to earth from Kentucky. And we would go to these events and then the after parties of like the daytime Emmys and stuff like that. And in order to kind of like have fun at these stuffy events, we made up something called the Dare Club. We would just dare people to do things. This is so silly and so childish, but I absolutely love it. So basically, we were both the presidents of the Dare Club. In order to initiate someone into the club, they had to accept a dare from one of us. If they accepted and completed it, they were now a member. Their benefits, including daring either me or Chriselle or anyone else who was a member to do something, and 
we all had to accept. The only time you could turn it down was if it was against your morals, if it would get you physically injured, or if it would get you in trouble with the law or like arrested. But everything else was on the table. I have a tattoo on my hip that was a dare from Chriselle. We were at this bar on the Upper West Side and I was just sitting there and she comes up to me and she's like, I dare you to get a kamikaze tattoo. And I was like, I don't have any tattoos, first of all. I don't think I'm ever going to get one. There's nothing that important that I want to put on my body. But also, what is a kamikaze tattoo? And she was like, it means that you are going to blindfold yourself, pick something off the wall, and whatever your finger lands on is what you have to put on your body. And I was like, that's crazy. But the only way I'm doing it is if you do it too. So I'm daring you back. And I just thought she would say no, but she's like, okay. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, server, we're going to need a round of tequila. Take a tequila shot, as does she. And we hop in a cab with a bunch of other friends who want to witness this. It's like 3 a.m. because, you know, New York stays open all night, pretty much, till 4 a.m. at least. We don't even know where we're going. We just took a cab from the Upper West Side to the West Village, where we assumed there would be a tattoo shop open 24 hours. We happen to find one. We walk in. I go first. I'm blindfolded now. I'm, I'm picking something off the wall. And the first thing that I landed on was a skull with cornrows with the Confederate flag behind it. And I was like, we need to do best of two. <laughs> There's no way in hell this is going on my body. <laughs> so I pick again. Or no, maybe she picked the second time. And she ended up picking, it was like a, I think it was like a bomb, like a little bomb on fire or like a cherry bomb or something. It was something about a bomb. And I'm just like, uh, no, we can't have that on our body either. I was like, okay, best of three. So I go again. The last thing that I picked was this symbol for Sagittarius, which neither one of us are. She's a Cancer. I'm a Virgo. But it was cute. It's a centaur, you know, half human, half horse. But it was done as like a little pony horse with a cute little girl's face. Her hair is in a ponytail And she's shooting a bow and arrow at a crescent moon with, I think there's a star also. And they're like, oh, that's fine. We could get that. It's kind of funny because neither one of us are Sagittarius. And then she was like, but wait, we have to get the initials KT underneath. That stands for Kamikaze Tattoo because you can't ever say like you got it for someone you know who's a Sagittarius. I was like, okay, fine. It was so painful, first of all, on the hip bone. Oh my God, you're on the bone. It was so painful. And I remember I was talking to my friend Stu, who was holding my hand. And I was like, please distract me. Just talk to me and just distract me through this. And the way he was distracting me was telling me like sexual stories or something. I was like, what are you even saying right now? But I guess it may have distracted me a little bit. I'm not sure. The pain was awful. And so by the time she said we have to add KT, I was just at my limit with pain. But I'm like, okay, fine. So I still have this tattoo on my body. And I don't regret it at all. It was my first tattoo. I only have one other one, which is the lyrics from Rise Against. But every time I would look at this tattoo after we got it, I would laugh. And it would remind me to not take myself too seriously. Although I had said there's nothing that important to put on my body forever, I think that that is the most important. Something to remind me, like, don't take yourself too seriously. Obviously, since she and I had her falling out and I still have to look at this tattoo every day, it's slightly a different sentiment, but I don't see myself ever having it removed. I do have hope that one day I can sit down with her and we can have a conversation. As far as her falling out, I mean... I don't know that I want to go into it, (laughs) but 
we do go into it on the Christine Quinn shenanigans episode. When I did that episode, I was really trying my best to still be respectful and just share my side of it. I still do wish her the best. I still have love for her. I think the way she just disregarded me and basically threw 10 years of friendship away for me calling her out on something, saying you're not acting true to your character. You're not acting like the person who I'm friends with. And I think any good friend should do that. Did my delivery come off the best? Probably not. The damage that that caused me is worse than like any relationship I've had. Can you imagine like your friend, your best friend just dropping you because you brought something to their attention? I've never even like really unpacked that in therapy or anything. What does that cause as far as like abandonment issues or whatever, or just feeling like worthless to someone that is so important to you in your life? I think it's something that still sticks with me. I have no idea if it sticks with her or not. I know she has so much going on in her life and I'm so happy for her for everything. Maybe I'm not as important to her as she was to me. I mean, that's how I felt after she dropped me, you know, and maybe that's the truth. And that's just something I needed to accept. And I kind of have. Unfortunately, the one time I did bump into her, it was at Brittany Cartwright's birthday party several years ago in WeHo. And it was like super late. Everyone was like on their way out. And I had been drinking all night. It wasn't the best time to have a conversation with her. But I do remember sitting down on on the couch next to her. And I told her how hurt I was. And I think I had tears in my eyes. And She was like, I had no idea you felt this way. I mean, this is one amazing thing I will say about her is like I told her, you know, I'm in the process of court hearings. I'm getting a restraining order against my ex, Ivy's dad, who Chriselle absolutely hated him. She didn't know the extent of what he did to me as far as the physical abuse, but she hated him. And so I was updating her on that. And she was so happy to hear that. And she was like, I will come to court with you and be a witness if you need me to. That meant so much to me. But unfortunately, she had a meeting the day of my hearing, so she couldn't make it. But overall, my feeling on it is that it's a sad situation, and I wish it was different. Jen also wants to know if I will be going to Stagecoach. Last year was my first time at Stagecoach. I had so much fun. Carrie Underwood closed out the show. It was really fun. And I do want to go this year. I'm trying to get passes for me, Sheena, and Brock to go this year. It's just so last minute that I'm asking all my connections because even this podcast, Wizard, is partially owned by Universal Music. I'm like, okay, can you guys get me some passes? And it's just too late. Everyone that we're asking, it's too late. So we are going to try to go. Hopefully something materializes soon. There are so many other questions I can't even get to. I'm going to Bring up one more because that's going to roll into what's next. So Drea K19 says, if you could give one piece of advice to your teenage self, what would it be? My teenage years were the most tumultuous and so hard. And I think high school can be so hard for so many people. That is an age where it's like everything is confusing. Everything is changing. You're starting to understand like social dynamics and a lot of bullying can occur. It's just high school can be hell for a lot of people. Honestly, I don't think the people in charge do enough to prevent that because I went under the radar with my ADHD. If there was something I could do and go back, I would tell myself, you have ADHD. Your brain works differently. And that is why you were experiencing all of these things. All the adults around you are missing it. 
and you need to advocate for yourself. But most importantly, you need to understand that there's nothing wrong with you. Yes, you're different, but that could be a superpower by understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. And I would tell her that those low feelings, they're temporary. They're going to come and go throughout life. Life isn't meant to always be happy or easy. And we need to accept that. It's highs and it's lows. And the lows will pass and the highs will pass. So when you are in a happy time, take it all in. Enjoy the moment. Don't be on your phone so much. (laughs) Be in real life. Take the moment in. And when the lows come, understand that it will pass. The sooner you accept those feelings, the sooner it will pass. As opposed to numbing them, constantly going out to escape them, constantly being around people, constantly having things to do, keeping yourself preoccupied, drinking, doing drugs, even smoking cigarettes, whatever it is you're doing to numb it or distract from it, even sex and relationships, the longer those feelings will persist. They're there for a reason. They need to be felt. You need to feel it to heal it. So feel it. If you need to take a day off and sit in bed and just watch Netflix or just feel your emotions to get through that, then do that. Don't run away from it. And I think once we accept that life isn't always meant to be happy, I think we can approach it in a different way with a different perspective. And we could appreciate the happy times more. And we're not going to feel so slighted or woe is me in the low times because everybody feels that way. Roya Badoya wants to know advice on how to handle all of the sad news going on in the world. I don't watch the news. That's advice tip number one. I do not watch the news. I stopped watching the news after 9-11. I recognized that seeing all of those images over and over and over again, I already knew what happened. I already knew the situation. Me re-traumatizing myself over and over and over again was pointless. And I also realized the only thing that's ever coming out in the news is murders, kidnappings, fires, destruction, like just terrible things, right? And things that I can't really do anything about. Doesn't mean I'm not up to date on current events or things that are happening, but I will be very selective in the information that I am seeking out and especially things that maybe I can make a difference about. But in general, I don't watch the nightly news anymore. There is obviously still sad information getting to you regardless. For a while, things would keep me up at night, especially being so involved with animal rights and watching so many of these just horrific videos of what we do to animals. And I had a previous guest on here, Jane Velez Mitchell. She used to be a reporter for CNN. She wrote a couple books, big animal rights advocate. So I had her on as a guest. And I asked her the same question. She said, Jamie, you already know what's happening in the slaughterhouses. You already know what's happening to the animals. There is no point in you re-traumatizing yourself by continuing to watch that. So after that, I decided to focus on all of the good that is happening and all of the change and the positivity that is truly happening because that is there too. It has helped me to stay strong and to stay in this fight as opposed to just re-traumatizing myself with all of the sadness. So you all sent in amazing advice, tips. So I'm going to go through and read them all because everyone has something to offer. Everyone has a unique perspective. Everyone has gone through life in a different way and learned something. There is something we can learn from every single person. Whatever resonates with you, take it. And whatever doesn't, then just understand that's someone else's experience and you don't have to relate to it or you don't have to take that in if it doesn't resonate with you. I'm going to give you some of mine first, and then we'll go into everyone else's. First one, 
No drug in the universe will make you feel better at the deepest level than being kind to other people. I always say this whenever someone or something gets me down or someone is really awful to me, that's probably a day that I will do my food donations and go visit the domestic violence shelter. Just do whatever I can to be of service for others. And it just reminds us of our purpose, which is to help other people. And it makes all the other noise kind of fade away and seem less important. Next one is you don't need the world to understand you. It's fine. Some people will never really understand things they haven't experienced. That's something I have to keep repeating to myself over and over again. It's fine if someone doesn't understand me. People can really only love and understand to the extent that they love themselves or to the extent that they've experienced similar situations themselves. Other people are more empathetic and they don't need to experience a situation to understand what you're going through. But everyone's different. And not everyone needs to understand you, and that is fine. I am grateful for those who try to understand. Okay, so let's get into yours. Mrs. Cordova23 says, if they wanted to, they would. This I love when it comes to dating and all of the excuses, particularly women, make for men. Like, he's not getting back to me because maybe he got held up at work or something came up or maybe his phone is dead. Bottom line is, if he wanted to text you, he would. If he wanted to ask you out, he would. I love that one. Amelia CXOXO says, when someone says you can't do it, do it twice and take pictures. I love this too, because a lot of times our haters (laughs) are the ones that actually give us that rocket fuel to achieve the things that they thought we couldn't do. I mean, ultimately, you want to do things for yourself, you know, and not just to disprove another person. But If that gives you that extra push that you need to do it, go for it. So be it. Mabel D2 has two of them. She says, acceptance is the key to serenity. Acceptance is really important, especially when we're dealing with other people. We should accept people for who they are. We should not be trying to change people. It's I've said it before. It's not fair for us. It's not fair for them. I hear a lot of, oh, if only she would do this or if only he would do that. I think we need to just accept people for where they are. And if we can't be with that person for who they are, I don't think it's fair to only be with them for what we think their potential could be. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And I think it's a fine line between pushing someone to be a better person or inspiring someone to be a better person. Like, I think that's nice. That's a nice part of being in a relationship or having friends or family that do that for you. But at the same time, I think they need to accept where you currently are and not resent you for that. If they're resenting you for who you are, that's not fair. She also says, what anyone thinks of you is none of your business. Very true. Long Ariels said, don't make permanent decisions on temporary emotions. Jen Conley 338, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I love that. Claff 6009. Opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Latoya Dodd, everything said before but doesn't count. Listen to people's words carefully. So she's referring to, let's say someone is apologizing to you. And they're like, I'm so sorry, but you made me act in this way. Whatever is said before the but, like the I'm sorry, it does not count if you're including the but. So... That's interesting. I like that. Robin Brookett says he's not worth it and always wear sunscreen. 
clearly M says, I remember in Queen Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please, she said something like, talking about the thing is not doing the thing. Do the thing. So true. Action. We got to take action. She says it helps push her through anxiety blocks and procrastination. Car 9511 says it's about progress, not perfection. Trust in the process of change. Amy D523, I once read the key to happiness is your ability to accept and handle change. Ashley Noel Lemons, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's awesome. MCN03, something I tell my 22-year-old daughter, keep some things to yourself, never reveal all. You know, one of the symptoms of ADHD is oversharing. <laughs> so I think that lends itself well to a podcast host. But yes, in general, we can't tell everybody everything. We have to be discerning with what we reveal to who. Kill 789 says, when people show you who they are, believe them. I always say that. Always, always, always. Megan Warwick 12 said, I have nothing, but I need your advice if you come across any self-help stuff or any good reads in general. So I responded back to this one that I just finished, mostly the audio version of the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I listened to a lot of it on my way up to San Luis Obispo because it was like a four-hour drive. I did read parts of it in book form as well, but I think the majority I got into in audio form. I prefer audiobooks just because I can consume them when I'm doing something else. One of the best books I have read slash listened to in a very, very long time, there were times when I was listening to the audio version and I would be like, yes, yes. And I would say, I would like agree with what she was saying out loud by myself at times. So I highly recommend it. I love it. I love the beginning of it. It was amazing. Like the trailer that I listened to of the audiobook lured me in. They were at a zoo and they were watching a cheetah. And it was Glennon with her two daughters. And they were feeling guilty about being at a zoo and understanding how sad this is for the wild animals that are kept in these cages. As the animal trainer was explaining about Tina, this cheetah. And so her daughter asked the animal trainer a question. And she was like, isn't Tina sad that she's not in the wild? And the trainer said, no, absolutely not, because Tina was born in captivity, so she doesn't know anything else. And as they watched Tina, they could tell that she knew that she was missing something. She knew that that's not where she was meant to be. That's how this book starts. And it's kind of a metaphor for us being in lives that or relationships that we feel we are not meant to be in. We have this yearning for something more like Tina does, even though she was never in the wild. It's in her to want to be in the wild. So that was a little story that kind of hooked me in. And I'm really happy I read and listened to the rest of the book. So I do highly recommend it. Okay. And the last one was from I Augustus. Sometimes you must suspend your disbelief. Otherwise, you'll never make it through the day. I think what I'm going to take from that is that you can't always be realistic about what is going on in the moment, maybe. And if you're in the moment, you're feeling like I'm never going to get through this. You have to suspend that idea in order to get through it. So that's what I take from that. If I'm wrong, please write in and feel free to elaborate on that a little bit more. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. 
Like I said, this was a bit of a mixed bag for an episode. I don't know what I'm going to title it. I don't know what song I'm going to be playing in this outro right now. Did we even talk about any music? Well, we talked about Stagecoach and Carrie Underwood, but I think I did an episode with Sheena last year we went to Stagecoach and I played Carrie Underwood. So that I don't want to repeat. Hmm. Oh, well, everyone was just at Coachella and Blink-182 did a surprise set or a last minute announced set. And for the first time in my life, I was sad that I didn't go to Coachella. I had asked Sheena to FaceTime me when I Miss You came on. And she did. And unfortunately, my phone was in my bedroom and I was in the kitchen cooking dinner for Ivy. So I missed it. So why don't we play Blink-182, I Miss You. I'll talk to you next week. Stop this pain tonight. Stop this pain tonight.